Did you just open a can of something? I did. Can of whoop ass. Friday the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. Boys of Summer. The Boys of Summer. And we ain't talking about the song. No, this is a theme. The theme is um, movies where... You want to make some money on your movie in June, July, and August? Yeah, you want to. You want somebody that's going to open your movie. You know, have that great opening weekend that'll carry through, word of mouth. And a month later, you're like, all oh, right, we don't need a DVD window anymore. We made so much fucking money. Right. In 2000. <laughs> yeah, Harrison Ford was still that guy, one of those guys. We're still one of those guys. It's it's because you think about it, been being 23 years since that movie came out, we're used to disgruntled, grumpy Harrison Ford since then. Like a lot more of him than we saw. Because you think about it, when did he hit, when did he hit the scene? It's 1973. 73. So it's been 50 years since that happened. But it's in 20. So it's like the, the age, we knew he was just a little you know, snarky because of, you know, because of solo and, and yeah, uh, well, dude, he's Bob Falfa, his character in American graffiti. Yeah, exactly like that. So you, you get that, but, but we got used to the, the grumpy guy for the last 20 plus years. So with this, it's kind of weird seeing him like, Oh my gosh, he's do he's acting again. I, you know, it's, it's weird. It was weird for me to adjust to me some time to adjust to it. Now I've seen the movie before. I know what happens in it. I know how it ends. But it was again, the show is about revisiting movies that we hadn't seen in a long time. I've always been thrown off by the fifteen year gap between the two leads in this between he and Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, because boy, he was fifty seven when they made this movie, probably fifty six, fifty seven. Yeah, because he's eighty now, right? And she's sixty five. He was born in forty two, so he was fifty eight when they released it. Yeah, yeah, that's weird, right? Well, it's funny because it's not that weird now if you think about it. No. Cause, you know, I'm closer to 58 than I am to 45. Right. <laughs> it's funny when you look at when you look at Michelle Pfeiffer, 65. You're like 65. That means I'm. Yeah, that's a weird thing to kind of yeah wrap your head around sometimes too. When you get that, you get that reminder through somebody else's age that of what your age is. Absolutely, I completely forgot. Or maybe my mind chose to push it down and repress it. That Bob Zemeckis is the director of this movie. Is he though? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, this movie doesn't feel like a Zemeckis movie no, at all. It, I, it is the weird thing. Kind of doesn't. Uh, it, well, you made a, a joke early on. I think it's either something that you read or you know because it was definitely was well known back then. Because the same year is when Castaway came out. No, but Castaway was a long time coming because of the actual weight loss that Tom Hanks had done in the movie. So yep. in between normal size Tom Hanks and Island by myself for five years, or the fuck he was on there for super skinny Tom Hanks, this is what he did. This is what Bob did. Bob ran off and did what lies beneath. Now, again, he's Robert Zemeckis. To just be thrown into a movie with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer at their peaks, right? Their, their, their demand was huge at this point. Yeah. 
it makes you wonder, was he a director for hire? Was he just a name to go along with the on-screen names? Because Bob, everybody knew Bob's, Bob's name. It wasn't just because of this, because I mean, he became a household name because of the Back to the Future trilogy. And then just a, you know, five, five, six years before this, before they started shooting this, people know him because, he, again, because of Forrest Gump. It's like, so it's like, a, I don't know, but like you noted, it doesn't feel like a Bob Zemeckis movie. And it's not the type of movie because we've seen him do this. Death Becomes Her is very much, even though it's more comedic, he knows how to handle tension. He knows how to create suspense. But this movie feels like it's lacking those things. It's lacking humor. And, uh, well, I mean, intentional humor anyway. Yes. It's very campy, yeah. this movie. But we, were, but we were getting a lot of that, though, around this time, though. Wouldn't you say? Like, just insert yeah. insert name here and then... Well, you know what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to liken this movie to is another movie that sort of was released around the same time, and that's Gus Van Zandt's remake of Psycho. Yeah. I mean, I feel like these, I, I don't know. I mean, if we're, you know, if we're, if we're saying like, yeah, these movies, cause this is what this movie feels like to me. It's, it's a movie that feels like it, it feels super familiar, but at the same time, not in a good way. Right. And not in a comforting, warm, familiar way. More like I like, oh fuck, I'm trapped here again. Right. Kind of way. Yeah. Psycho came out the year before, a couple years before this. So I, I don't know, man. This is a movie that I don't, I don't dislike it, but I, I don't, I obviously, I honestly didn't like it as much as I remembered liking it or right. being as entertained. And I probably, a lot of that is because when the, the pivotal scene, right, where she shows up in the red dress and all I see is Ray Ray from <laughs> Scary Movie 2. I just waited for, I was waiting for him to be in the dress and, you know, so the whole thing is kind of, again, it's been ruined by a spoof or, but, but the whole movie kind of feels like a spoof of itself when you're watching it. And I hadn't seen this in a long time, but there's things there. Yeah. They're so like, Oh, why? I mean, do you really have to point that out to me there? I mean, literally there's things that are just, it's, it's just the movie's clunky, I guess is the best way to say it. It's just super clunky for what it is. And you know what's funny is I've seen lots of movies that are derivatives of this. This feels like a high-profile Lifetime movie. No, absolutely. It's not complimentary. No, it's weird, too, because I was going to say Ford's performance in this reminds me a lot of regarding Henry. Okay, that's something. It, okay, I, if you haven't seen this movie yet, I, I'm not going to warn you about it. I'm talking about the shit that happens in it because it's, you know, he eventually becomes clear that he, you know, that he's, I don't know. Well, Harrison Ford, the, it's, we're not used to seeing Harrison Ford play a bad guy either. So that, right. that's really, that's really the one thing this movie has going for it is that you're watching Ford and you're just like, no, there's no way he did, you know, this is no, no, no. And then you're like, oh, oh. Right, and he's fine in it. He's, he's good in it. He's both good the, in it. Both the leads are good. Oh, I, I mean, like I was saying to you before we on a mic, I, I think Michelle Pfeiffer feels like she's, I don't know, she's like sleepwalking the first half of the movie. I don't, I don't know. Apparently, if was, she studied Drew, Drew Barry. She was, she was channeling Drew Barry more. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay. From Scream, I guess. I, I find, I'm, I'm trying to like. <laughs> Right. I'm like, how much older you? I'm like, I'm going to use her method of projecting fear what, from when she was playing Gertie when she was doing ET or fucking Firestarter. <laughs> <laughs> when you see big names attached to it, because remember this, this is that time where people really responded to 
Casting. Casting. Hell, even begin, again, there were a handful of names, director names that would, could help you like when you'd see that, that, that from the director of Back to the Future. In this case, you probably would have said director of Death Becomes or just be kind of fitting more in the vein of, but you want, they want people to feel that, that recognition, uh, you know, and know that you're in good hands. It's not just because, you know, back then, like we noted, you, stunt casting and this is when the packaging really started happening. Like, dude, absolutely. Cause the, the packaging, the poster for this is the coolest thing about it. Yeah, it is. Because, and the great thing about that thing, other than the per- people's names on it, you don't, you could have put anybody in the movie. Dude. The only other person that you really know in the movie is Remar. Right. I mean, you know, and then, you know, of course I knew who Diana Scarwood is because, you know, I've seen Psycho 2 and Rumblefish. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I was actually shy. I think I texted you because I didn't, I, could, I didn't remember she was in the movie. And I was like, well, Diana Scarwood. <laughs> and dude, and Anne Valletta, who we uh, just covered in Dead Silence a while back, shows up for a moment. <laughs> or, or, or uh, well, you know, she's in the third act quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I just, fuck it. She's dead. And she comes up ghosty and we see her ghosty body later. Yeah, we see a ghosty a lot in this. <laughs> and, and then Joe Morton is in it as well. Yeah, so, briefly. I, I lied. Brief, but he, like one scene, right? Like I, I think he says like, he's got like three no, lines. I, no, I think he's two because she goes back to see him again because he's, he's her therapist. Right. Because she's losing her mind. I just, okay, let me say about this. I, I remembered, I remembered the, the aspect of, uh, of the girl differently i didn't remember them being married i remembered it as he was just a crazy person who killed women yeah well no got married not that about that it happened before they became a couple well i was gonna say that's probably a better movie dude is if he's just like a serial fucking you know serial killer who marries the same blonde woman all the time right i mean maybe that's a better movie than this one but yeah what's what's weird about this movie is the way it's set up like it kind of drives me crazy. Like there's the whole thing, you know, Oh, we, we hear about the car accident, but we don't, we don't, we hear about the car accident through Scarwood drop in right. exposition. Right. And then, Oh, so it happened during the car accident <laughs> while she was, so you're even worse right. person than you may have been. I, yeah, I don't know, man. There's some scenes like that just don't jive in this movie. No. Like uh, Harrison Ford laying in an empty bathtub with a hairdryer in it. When we're supposed to believe he was, there was no water in the bathtub was right. there when he was lying in it. Right. But he's just lying there like he fell and the, and the hairdryer fell in. So what? <laughs> For the viewer, I, it makes sense why she doesn't question it. It makes sense why all the, everybody else around the emergency people are uh, questioning it. Cause we already know that she's seen some weird shit happen in the bathtub. So, you know, she we're already buying into her point of view, why what happened was acceptable in, in her mind that it, it was plausible, I should say. But for everybody else, it's like, why does that make sense to people? You're like he's lying. Like he's no, he's lying in an empty bathtub with a, Oh, it's a good thing. The breaker broke. It's a good thing. The tub was empty. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, and then what do you, what, what the fuck did he say? What's this line when he goes fucking psycho? He's like, you know, hard was to hold still in a freezing, freezing cold water. I'm like, what water, dude? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I, that's what I was like. There was no when he said it. I thought back and I was like, there was no water in that tub because he wasn't wet when they pulled him out. Psycho. And he was clothed. I think <laughs> he was. He wasn't taking a bath or anything. No, he just fell in the tub and pulled in. Yeah, I don't know, man. Anyway, it, there's a lot of there, there's a lot of that kind of nonsense in this. Also, you know, what? Who's dumb enough to like? If you did off somebody, like, why would you bury that remain? You know, on the property, right at the end of the dock, in like three feet of water. Right. I mean, it's so. I don't know. I have a lot of problems with this movie. I yeah. Just find that there's a lot of lazy. <laughs> a lot of shortcuts were taken. Yeah. It's not as clever as it wants to be. No, and then and then uh, this you is know what's the, weird. Lots of stuff. Is this Zemeckis's only horror film? Yeah. Thought when I see the credits, like I'm looking at the credit, I just saw his name. I immediately flashed to the Frighteners because he produced it. Oh right. Right around the same time. Yeah, the Frighteners is a much yeah, better movie image movers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, there, there's two things that happen in this that don't make a lick of fucking sense. And one of them involves a fucking witchcraft book. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. And you get the the Ouija board thing. All right, that's fine. Because the, 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 they do that whole thing and whatever. And she's sitting there convinced that, you know, she conjured him. Like, no, she was already. That's the part that's dumb. She's already come around and has been getting on your shit and, and, and trying to get you to notice her. Right. Right. So why do you think you did something? Yeah. Uh, no, totally. It doesn't make any sense why she thinks that she did something. And then the book, the whole thing with the, by the way, okay, so the name of that book was, fuck, what was it called? Um, fuck, what was the name of it? I don't even remember. Now there's a paperback version of the book that is very obvious. You know, it's, you know, shiny cover, glossy cover, you know, typical paperback cover but then there's a hardback it's they're selling it for 50 bucks and it's pictures somebody took of it somebody's personally selling it on amazon so it's the third party thing the photographs are so poorly done i'm looking at that it's more like that book in the movie and i kept thinking there's a fucking horror movie right here but if you buy that book on amazon you you wonder why that never happens, right? Why is why hasn't anybody? It's always these books that are found in some brick and mortar place, or it's sent to them right. anonymously. This was like, dude. That, I, hold on, I gotta I gotta pull it up because it's like, oh yeah, here it is. It's called Witchcraft, Magic, and Alchemy. All right. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the book is okay. Uh, so it's the book the book is very um it, speaking of evil dead that's what that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of like the necronomicon yeah it's like it's like i don't trust this fucking thing sure it's like it, and it's super i mean dude it's like oh yeah i found it here. i'm gonna send you uh what what I was gonna say is the one thing like you know the moment where she shows up in the red dress and everything and she's like he's like what's going on? what's going on to you I swear man I was just waiting for it to be uh, you know Sean Wayne's was it Sean or Marlon Sean oh no 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 it is Sean no it's Sean right yeah because yeah, Marlon's high upstairs yeah Marlon is uh, upstairs fighting with a giant plant that's yeah. rolling him into a joint and smoking him shorty shorty. And by the way, on, on that tip, the way it's done in Scary Movie 2 is better. 
I don't know. It's better and it's noticeable. Yeah. Like with this, you almost, I'm like, oh man, I, you almost don't see the effect. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, I, I firmly believe that Zemeckis was not fully engaged in this movie. I, I don't no. know, man. It's just the whole thing seems, it, the whole movie seems like filler, weirdly enough. And I, dude, I love Ford and I love Pfeiffer and I was excited to see this movie. And, I, and I'm pretty sure I liked it a little bit more then than I do now. But I don't know, man. It's just, it's one of those movies. It's, you know, it's like, again, it felt like generic filler thriller, you know, just attach some stars to it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Ford made a lot of these kind of like high profile. Cause I feel like this came out around the same time as the, what was it? The devil's own and uh, right. six days, seven nights. Oh, wow. Right. This nutty book. Right. Now, now look at, here's the, here's the cover for the, um, here's the paperback cover. It's not any, this, this thing, this thing looks like what you expect to see in, at Barnes and Noble. That first, those first three pictures are like, what the fuck is this? Right. It's a, it's actually $10 cheaper than it was the other day because it was a flat 50 bucks. Interesting. That looks like something right out of a sorceress. Right? (laughs) 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 No, but the movie itself is like, it it feels like something we, like I said, we've seen it a hundred times before and um, Lifetime has made a network of it. Yeah, totally. And I felt, yeah, you nailed it, dude. It's it's exactly a lifetime movie with the, with a big cast and a bigger budget. Right. It's a bummer because it's like it's and boy, yeah, your Stephanie memory. Zimbalist Junior was pissed when they when she saw this. Like, <laughs> I thought I was going to get this big screen role, um, right. right? Like, I mean, her between her and Dale Midkiff, <laughs> you know, he lost out uh, to. <laughs> Or whoever that, I, who was the, who was, I don't know. Dale Midkiff seemed like a person that would be cast in all those, uh, yeah, h- Hallmark lifetime, uh, versions of this movie. When I'm watching it, it's funny because usually we don't, when it comes back to our memory of a movie, this is one of those few times where, where we've done it and went back and went, oh, it, it really does not hold up. No. And, and you're, and, and then you're like, man, why didn't I, get this then it wasn't like we were babies like we were no. in our 20s i'm like so it's like a i don't know dude it's weird right or i mean actually i turned 30 the year before yeah, it's just it's just a weird it's just a weird thing it's yeah. like your sophistication level wasn't up to i i don't know man I, yeah. I i have no idea why i didn't have but like i said like all of the things that like I felt I was being shown like because i was dumb in case i was stupid like in case you can't follow what's going on here we go. We're going to take a trip to the genetics lab. Uh, yeah. Watch them use chloroform on a mouse. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And explain in great detail about it. And I was like, oh, God, dude, how did I miss that this was going to happen to Michelle Pfeiffer later on? One of the things that bothered me about the movie is uh, um, uh, lots of things, obviously, but they re- keep referring to him being in his dad's shadow so much. I'm like, Dude, it seems so forced too, it's right? It's so forced and it doesn't go anywhere. No, zero. Goes nowhere. I thought maybe Yeah, he's going to have a moment where he's where he has a psycho where he, where the psycho explains himself, right? Right. He's going to give you a speech about it and how he hated his dad and, right. oh, and none of it ever happens. Never happens. The you're you're talking about all this stuff and for a movie that's very 
borrowing and liberally and, and under the guise that it's a you know an homage to Hitchcock. Sorry, it's not. You're just stealing. You're homaging to <laughs> Lifetime. You're homaging the wrong direction. You're not homaging <laughs> enough. That that you know they're they're kind of leaning on that idea that you were going to think that was very psycho mom related, except for the gender. You know, it was father instead of the, the right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like where it, where it comes into play, well, here, I'll say this first, Th- this movie, what it, it wants to do, like what Hitchcock's notorious did, right? Cary Grant, like you've never seen him before. Right. And they were trying to do that. I felt like that was part of the marketing. Like you've never seen Harrison Ford like this before right. because he's not ever made a horror movie. This is, this is as close to a horror film as Harrison Ford's ever been in. Right. Right. But it just misses the mark on like, you know, I don't know, man. It's just not a, it's not engaging. I mean, I've, I've, I've felt myself bored. Like, uh, and it wasn't just because I'd seen it before because, you know, the rewatchability of most movies is like, right. That's why you do it. I mean, if, if, if something's great, you want to watch it again. Right. And there was part of me that liked this and remembered it being pretty good, but not so much. Right. And, you know, it's just average and it, you know, it's, it's a time filler. Right. Like if I had two broken legs and I couldn't get to the remote and it was on, I wouldn't mind watching it. The scene where they're at dinner, right, with his uh, old, with his buddy, like his lo- whoever that guy is, and then what the fuck was that? His new girlfriend shows up, and then, oh my god, they know each other, and then they spend the next five minutes like hugging and talking, and there's a bunch of you know the two guys are just sitting there listening to these women tell stories that don't have anything to do with anything that's going on in the story, yeah, and then they make mention of, well, how did you, uh, you know, then then here comes the father thing again, I'm like. Oh. Two hours and 10 minutes, and there's shit like that in there. Yeah. Totally. It's like, Watch why? Out, baby. What the Editor. fuck is this, man? Okay, so, and I guess maybe I, I don't recall feeling this way back when I saw the movie, but maybe because I know how the ending is. But you, if you've ever seen Presumed Innocent, when you're getting, yep. there's a certain point in this where you're going, oh, he killed her. Like, you know that. You, you, mm-hmm. and you're only, and you're, but you're being informed about, about because of presumed innocent, you're being informed by that because you know the body. If you've seen it, you know the body. Bedelia was the one that killed the girl. Dude, presumed innocent is way better than this. Oh movie. no, no, I know. I'm only no. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, no, only I'm making just the saying. Like I hadn't thought of. I hadn't thought about it until you said that, and I'm like, oh god. But, but presumed that, innocent is the better version of this, right? Except for the you take out the supernatural element. This is like almost like the. This is almost, this is almost like a sequel to to that, and uh, and in some sorts pseudo I would call we call we call those requels, right? We call it a requel. Sure. Where you're rebooting the sequel kind of thing. Because of presumed innocent, a home time mind going, Oh, this is some girl he murdered. In the lake, probably. You know, it's like it's like Yeah. This is the why it feels like lifetimey. And lifetime was something that existed back then, but lifetime as it is now, to where they've spun off and have their own lifetime movies channel, it spawned derivatives it, it, oh yeah, from this kind of thing, you know. May I sleep with danger? Where the fuck? <laughs> dumbest moments in this movie. Oh, there's lots. There, well, <laughs> well, here's a, the, the, I don't know if it's the dumbest moment in the movie, but for me, it's it's the it's the it's the thing I find that I just was like, this is dumb. So he takes the box of the girl's belongings, and buries it ten inches under the, the silt at the end of his pier at the right. house. Yet the car with the girl is out on the bridge. A good ways away from the place, like leaving the, uh, you know, leaving and heading back to the mainland. So right. why not just throw all of this shit in one place? <sighs> or, I don't know, man. 
And then hiding the key inside the house, or did the ghost put it there? I mean, come yeah. On. And then I don't know. This, dude, yeah. the whole fucking neighbor thing. The neighbor thing is so fucking dumb, dude. The scene, the scene where he sounds like he's murdering her. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Oh, they're just boning. <laughs> Leave it open. Think we can take them? <laughs> we can, we can so give it a try. Stupid. <laughs> I remember just cringing like, oh, it's like, really? It, <laughs> if the rest of the movie was, wasn't what it was, that would be like, all right, that's yeah. passable. But it's not. It's just no. the movie is full of... Not just poor choices. It's like, did you guys really think about this when you're deciding to do this? Because there's, it doesn't, again, the neighbor thing is so dumb. It's like, um, yeah, it would do, it's the ultimate red herring, right? You see Remar and you immediately, Remar right. is one of those guys, right? Not unlike Pantoliano. When you see him, you expect him to be, I mean, you're not expecting him to be a good guy. Right. Like there's a few exceptions in his career. Like, right. you know, he's, he's the good cop in drugstore cowboy. Right. Yeah. His tales from the dark side is like, he's, yeah, he's not a bad guy in that. No. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part you see Remar and you're like, okay, something's up with that dude. Right. And that's what it is in this movie. It's like, you see Remar and you're like, oh, okay. So we want, they want you to think it's him, but it's not. I love what he did on Dexter. He, his character like teetered that line of being the guy, you know, him to play, but also yeah. kind of, being probably more like he, the real guy he is. But you know, the bottom line is he's instead of just taking out, taking Dexter out, like he should have. <laughs> right. At least wait till he's an adult. So you're not killing a kid. But right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, Remar. I mean, Remar, dude, I love Remar. Remar is one of my favorite actors. Same. And that's why I was saying he's wasted in this. Cause he's just not yeah. in it. And even if he was in it more, I mean, he disappears, right? Like at a certain point. In a lot of ways, maybe it's a good thing for him because it's like... <laughs> right, you don't remember he's in it. Right. And for a movie, again, that's the length that it is, it's surprising that he is in it so little. And that storyline, again, the, the, the couple next door makes no fucking sense. Nah, there, and there's just, like you said, like for two hours and 10 minutes, there's a, there's a lot of extraneous bullshit, like that right. dinner scene, which doesn't really go anywhere or tell us anything that we didn't already know. Yeah, you can shave 15 minutes off this and you're still looking at an hour and 55 minutes and that might be still too long. 15 minutes. I don't think people understand how long you say yeah. 15 minutes, how long Dude, that is. You, you could cut 25 minutes out of this movie easily. Probably, yeah. There's similar scenes, like the scene where Scarwood shows up at the house and we learn that she's fleeced her ex-husband or whatever and she bought a Carmen Ghia convertible and uh, here's your tea from the apothecary shop over in... Right. Whatever that town is. You ever heard of it? Nope. <laughs> okay. So I want, I want to go back to the Ouija board and the, the, the witchcraft book for a moment. You don't need both scenes. No. You know what I mean? You, you, we've, we've already met her. We, we already know who she is. Yes. We, you know what I'm saying? Because we, Jody, Jody shows up early. We don't, we, Jody's yeah. in three scenes. When we yep. get introduced to her, the Ouija board scene, and I technically she's not even in the scene. With the book, because the book, she just shows up and, and Michelle Pfeiffer yep. finds the book. So they could have easily not shot the Ouija board scene. And and so let's go ahead and say that, not even for the production standpoint, they did that. From the storytelling standpoint, why you, you don't, you don't do both. You don't need to. You don't do both. And if you experience what you experience with the Ouija board, why the fuck would you send her a book to do more? Right? <laughs> 
it's, it's so stupid. Like, oh yeah, it's shit's bad for you. I'm going to make it worse here. Go ahead and go to page 25, get a locket of her hair. I'm like, dude, it's just the locket, I mean, of, the locket of hair. Oh, too. dude, that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, really? Uh, mm. But here, this is the thing in this movie. This is, this is why these kinds of movies are made frequently. A hundred million dollar budget. Obviously, most yep. of it go into building that house. Building that house, because <laughs> um, that and stars yeah. star in their salaries. I'm and sure. what we're referring to is the house had to be torn down because it wasn't up to code and all that fun stuff. So they had to do full builds on the sound stages for all the rooms. So you only saw the exterior shot, and that, that was one hundred percent. wasn't a it wasn't a full practical build that you sign. You sometimes can get. Um, with with some movies, but yeah, this, this, that's another weird one. That that's a good chunk of money. Harrison was uh, probably getting what twelve, fifteen, yeah, something like that. I'm sure Michelle's probably getting eight, nine, ten around there. Zemeckis is probably making, but just as much, especially with his company being the co-producer on it with DreamWorks. The it still made two hundred ninety-one million dollars and grossed two hundred ninety-one. This is back yeah. in two thousand where DVDs were still killing it. And and uh, they were well, really just at the peak of their uprise, or actually, the, actually the beginning of their uprising, two thousand. You know, I think at that point most people had a DVD player in their house. Oh yeah, yeah, and because I mean, the year before, The Matrix and Fight Club helped sell lots of units, and that's but. So they they their DVD window probably doubled that. So they made a fuck ton of money. That's why movies like this kept getting made. And then somebody obviously had the idea, I'm like, you know what? At lifetime, let's make a let's make a bunch of movies just like this. Let's just get yeah. let's just get kids from Full House and yeah, and that's how we're going to do this. Yeah, look, man. Again, it, it, I want to. I'm trying to spin a positive here. It, uh, it's well, well, you it's know. a well made movie, but is it? Because <laughs> well, if there, it was. Yeah. I mean, look, it looks good. Uh, it's photographed nicely. Score. I like the score. Sylvester, right? right. You, but you make concessions. You already, you've already conceded that it's going to be a certain level of quality because, as far as the production side goes, because of the people involved and the studio movies at hundred million dollars. So you're expect, ex- expecting a certain. If there was bad production in that would that would be more of a red flag. But you're expecting this. It was so you just try to relax and enjoy the movie as a storytelling and the performance aspect aspect of it, and it's just not there. Right. Um, but though, but Harrison has great moments in it. Yeah. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer has great moments, even though she's feels, yeah. I, I mean, it had to be intentional. She's not, she's never been bad in anything. So it had to have been intentional. She made, she made a choice. The first two acts of the movie to be, to, to go about her life a certain way. And as the character, I just, where, where I will say the movie, here's the things that worked for me. Where she's in the bathtub, dude, and he's fucking drowning her, and oh, she's dude. fucking okay, okay easy. Her the, eyes that that's, and that's the that's the experience of the people involved. That's why that moment yep. works so well. It's 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 great. Yeah, and also the scene once the truck careens off the bridge, dude, and they're in the fucking cab of the fucking thing together, and he's and she and he's still bleeding from his head wound, and and uh, that whole sequence works really well, right. But it just takes so damn long to get to that stuff. Right. And part of me kept going, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. And this, once they're in the water, this is going to happen. But I couldn't remember. I'm like, wait, am I confusing this with Ghost Story? 
Because I couldn't, dude. That's what I thought too. I was like, "This is so ghost story right here." Right, right. It's clear that Clark Gregg, the screenwriter, who you guys know from playing Coulson in the if, in the uh, well, lots of things, but you most know him for yeah, he's for Marvel Col- guy, Marvel, Marvel guy. world. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay for this, and maybe he was just leaning on. I don't know. There, there, there's a certain thing to be said about when you get a, a, a studio assignment like this. I don't think it was a spec script. I think this was an a, a studio assignment. I, I, I don't know. I think you, I think he borrowed too liberally from other places and not the right thing said. There's just no cohesion with what they were trying to pull off. Right. You get all the pieces of the puzzle and some of them just don't fit, even if you use a hammer. Right. Sometimes when I see a movie that's long like this, and I, I've never really talked about it on the show before, but I, I, I will wonder, Mike, what can I do? Is this a movie that I could load up on my system and cut it down and make it a better movie? Probably. This is definitely one of those movies I think I could probably do that where it would just, but you know, but there's, but there's some moments in there, like you, we were talking about where she's paralyzed in the bathtub. It's just fuck. Yeah. Jurassic Park 2, Lost World. The best moment in the entire movie, well, second best moment in the entire movie. There's two great moments, and my two favorite moments in the movie have nothing to do with dinosaurs. It's like, I mean, the aftermath of the dinosaur when, when Julianne Moore is standing against the glass with the trailer hanging over the cliff. I mean, the dinosaurs are long gone, but that tension that Spielberg creates right there is a lot like the bathtub scene here. I think it's interesting because it really has nothing to do with the ghost supernatural aspect of the story. It's just about her trying to save herself from drowning. That the whole moment is so well done. Yep. But again, you expect that from the people involved. If the rest of the movie hell, if the rest of the movie was only half that good as that as that moment is, it would be we'd be talking differently about the movie. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man. It just, it just drags. It's long. It's not all that exciting. And I'm not, dude, I mean, I like it. I, you, you can engage me in fucking dialogue all day long, but if you, if you, if you're not, if you don't, then it's really, it's on you. It's not me. Like, right. I, 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 this is a movie I should, again, I did like it a lot the first time I saw it enough to like, because I think I'm the one who said, we should cover what lies beneath. Yeah. And then like 20 minutes into it, I was like, man, what was I thinking? Right, because I had, when we when we mentioned Harrison Ford, we both kind of said Harrison Ford right off the bat. And I guess obviously it's fresh in our head because of, of the new Indiana Jones movie coming out. Uh, and I said Air Force One. And and you're like, you didn't like it. I'm like, I don't like it either. <laughs> but, but I'm also, but sometimes that's why I think we lean on maybe movies we don't remember liking as much. Right, and we've talked about that before, you know, and we've been more often than not more surprised how much better right. it is. Like maybe we should have watched Air Force One, right? <laughs> right. Or Six Days, Seven Nights, because both of us had had uh, an affection for this movie, and we both were now like, well, I remember what did I like about it, and that's sometimes dead is better. <laughs> sometimes dead is better. <laughs> we talk a lot about. Hollywood Pictures and Touchstone and those kinds of movies where those small yeah. movie companies were making $25, $50 million movies. The reason why we don't make those movies anymore is because the budgets kept going up and up and up. And then this is this is a derivative of that kind of filmmaking. And that's why they stopped making them because the they always thought we had the DVD window to make up for it. So even if this movie was $100 million, it only made one eighty. 
You know, well, right. that's that that's that's they're still in the red because of how much money they spent on marketing. So they always go, the DVD window is going to save us. And when the DVD window went away, that's that's why some of these projects did. And we could still get away with it. There's twenty five, fifty million dollar movies, but there's not. It's two hundred million dollar superhero popcorn movies, or ten million dollar think pieces, right? So that's the problem we have now is that where we we wonder where these movies are. These are the kind of movies that bottomed out that kind of filmmaking, and um, that's why you find them all in Lifetime now because they do they do all that stuff for. Six or seven million dollars, and uh, yeah. So I wish Netflix would pick up that model on how to do things. Hire somebody from Lifetime to figure out how to do it for the right budget, so you're not spending two hundred million. To, but you know, but look at look at Irishman. I'm going to sidebar. Look at Irishman. Two hundred million dollars at fucking movie. Like what? Well, someone has. Well, why did it end up on Criterion? It was the first time Criterion has ever done a Netflix release because they needed to make more money off of it. Because they made no money off of yeah, it. Yeah, that thing never made its money back. No way. That, that, that's a movie that will never make its money back. No, no. Anyway. Maybe in 50 years, people will think of it the same way they think of <laughs> Michael Cimino's Heaven's Gate. And it'll, it'll have a resurgence. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, I, I don't know that I have anything else to add to no. this. Uh, but I mean, you know, it was easier than I thought. Like, I was like, oh, man, what are we going to are we gonna, yeah. gonna do is talk about the, the Harrison Ford movies we should have watched. Uh, and I would have rather watched Hollywood Homicide. See, and that's not terrible. It's, it's like, not, I love it. I actually, I'm, I, I, I'm being totally serious. No, I just, and it's, but the, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, for me to sit there and say, I'm middle of the road, so we can run and watch it, then I'm going to be like, I'd be, I'd be sparked and ready to talk about it. Yeah, our expectations were like way high, and then it just sort of, you know, oh, wow. How did we, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It was better. <laughs> See, that's another thing, too. It's like, do we, so are we supposed to just expect uh, or accept that uh, Harrison Ford, that he uh, that he just drowned her after she already took something? Like, he goes, because he says that, right? He says, like, you know, hey, roof eater? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to let you kill yourself in my house. So he goes and drowns her. Like he's like, oh, it took me to hold her down. And I'm like, did he kill her in the house? Did he kill her in the bathtub? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He must have, right? Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, again. For a movie this long, why didn't we get our flashbacks? Dude, I would have rather had those flashbacks <laughs> and those fucking horribly unwatchable scenes like with, you know, or another scene on the front porch with a bunch of exposition being dumped on me. Just give me flashbacks. The necklace. Oh, the necklace. The necklace. Fuck off with that bullshit. Again, like you talked about earlier, I don't know if it was on mic or if it was before we started doing our Kickstarter. I don't remember what it was, but you made a comment about choices of a a, a man of the, of genius that he is. Yeah, you didn't take a brainiac, even some shit kicker. You know, I drink Pepsi out of my two liter bottle. Beer. <laughs> like would have would have not had that necklace. We would have never bought the fucking necklace. No, <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's so yeah. Look, look. I, we we should stop because I'm gonna start. Oh, I'm gonna start. Just the the, the the layers of the onion are about to start coming off, and it's just gonna be one of those episodes. Uh, no, where it's we're like, 45 wow, minutes. Are, good enough. Yeah, we're we're good. <laughs> I think people get it. I think people get it. It's gonna go so. All right. Well, we have. Four more other movies coming this month. Four more. Um, we're hoping that the last one turns into something we've been talking about doing for a while, but it just it's dependent on scheduling. 
So we're fingers crossed on it. Otherwise, we have a great backup if uh, if we're not able to do that. It's something we still want to do if, if, if it doesn't work out for June, but fingers crossed because it should fingers be Fingers crossed, man. But here's the thing. I will say the next three movies, I know I'm going to enjoy watching again. So I'm not really concerned about that. No, look, man, they can't all be winners. <laughs> no, no. What, would, what fun would that be? No. And uh, Boys of Summer, you know, an affectionate term referring to baseball players too, right? Um, so Baseball maybe, players and a song by the Ataris. Yeah. <laughs> the Ataris. <laughs> Speaking of 2000. Oh, there was... Uh, right there you go. So if you want to follow us on socials, it's at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, and Letterboxd. On Letterboxd is Corey underscore Cult for me and Culprit97 on the Insta. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram, or you can follow me at Norman Spencer, Claire Spencer, Caitlin Spencer, at Letterboxd.com. Uh, the Spencers. The Spencers. I love how, I'm glad the daughter never comes back once they drop her at school. Oh, yeah. Because I was waiting for that nonsense. Yeah.